how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. My name is Josh Redberg, and I'm filling in for our regular host, Nate Aiken. I'm back here with John Aiken. We are working our way through the book of Proverbs, and today we're on Proverbs chapter 6. Now, we covered a little bit of Proverbs 6 last week when we looked at Proverbs 5. So in this episode, we're really looking at the first 19 verses of Proverbs 6. So John, why don't you walk us through these first 19 verses, just bring us up to speed on what the, what the topics are and how it's broken down. Yeah, so there's a there's a couple different uh, spots here. Um, he's first talking about um, basically being about use of money and uh, kind of becoming a, a somebody who is giving you know giving your pledge for like speaking up for somebody else. I guess being a, a co signatory yeah. for somebody else and how that can put you in danger. And then he he talks uh, by observing in nature the ant and how the ant shows us strong work ethic and not being lazy. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he moves to these different activities that God hates. And then he ends the chapter um, talking about, again, adultery and, and uh, falling for the, you know, uh, forbidden woman, sexual morality, as we talked about in the last episode. So those are the kind of, um, you know, four different sections of chapter six. Now, we talked about last week that when you preached through this, you preached chapter five, the second half of six about adultery, and seven really together, and then came back and, and preached six, one through 19. So when you preached that, what, what was the approach you took? How did you tie it together? How did you lead the congregation through these three sections, which on the surface may not be tightly tied together thematically? Well, I, I broke them up. So I, I broke them up into separate sermons. Um, and, um, and so I, I, I mainly focused on the uh, work ethic part with the ant and then the, you know, the, the things that are an abomination before the Lord. Uh, and so I did two different messages on that. Were there any things in these particular verses that you found difficult to deal with? Anything particularly sensitive, sensitive or challenging? I think I think dealing with the idea, yes. So dealing with the idea of God hating is something mm-hmm. that you've got to address because um, it says in six sixteen there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that yeah. are an abomination to Him. And so um, you know the Bible says God is love. Um, you know I don't you know what you were taught as a kid, but I but I was taught as a kid never to say I hated something uh, right. because God you know. Some people would say God doesn't hate anything, but the but the scripture is clear that there are some sinful actions that the Lord does hate, um, and so I so I think you have to address that up front and just say, um, you know, we we have to address what does it mean that God is love, but that there are certain sinful actions that He does hate. Now, how did you deal with that? You say sinful actions, but looking at these verses, you have things like a lying witness you know, which, which seems to be referring to the person or the, the next phrase and one who stirs up trouble. Did you divorce the actions from the person? How did you handle that, wrestle through that sort of sticky theological question? Yeah, I, I, so I, the way I address that is I didn't necessarily use the old, um, 
you know, uh, hate the sin, not the sinner type thing. Right. Um, because it, it is describing what a worthless person, a wicked man looks like, but I don't, you know, I think we have to, uh, I think at some level we have to distinguish, um, between ontology and action. I mean, in terms of, um, human beings are created in God's image. Um, and so there's, there, there's that ontological necess- uh, reality, although we are sinners, and so it is, it is a certainty that we will sin. Um, but I think, I don't think in this passage, for example, you can't, I, I don't think you can say the, the, like focusing on the person and not the action that he's committing. So it's, so the, the, the thing that God's hating is that he's a, he's a false witness that he's bearing false witness, right? That, that he's, that people are using a lying tongue, that they're, they're being haughty. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how I dealt with it is to say, um, God will judge these things. We look at this list of things that God hates, um, that he's going to judge these things. And so we need to understand that, that while God is love, that he also, uh, detests certain sinful actions that tear down other people created in the image of God. I mean, all, all of these actions are, you know, yeah. at, at, at the heart are actions that are mistreating brothers, uh, mistreating sisters, mistreating your neighbor. And so, so you're really tying hatred and love together, right? It's God's right. love for those made in his image, God's love for his people, that the, the part of that love is hating that which hurts and harms and destroys them. Correct. So you have these two passages, you said you preached them separately. Just how in your own mind did you think about their placement here in Proverbs? Why do you think the it's been organized this way? Any particular theories or things that you've thought about on chapter six? Yeah, I, I think I think it's just part of this Deuteronomy six, um, you know, Solomon's obeying Deuteronomy six and he's teaching the law. To his son, and so you have these extended discourses, and he's dealing with the types of thing, types of things that young men, you know, deal with, and so he's he's dealing with uh, laziness, he's dealing with, um, you know, arrogance and deception, and so he's dealing with sexual morality. I think so. I, I just think it flows with that idea of him teaching the law when he gets up, when he walks by the way, when he lies down. So let's think about this first section about sort of financial dealings and laziness, the example of the ant. When you particularly taught this passage, how did you get to Christ uh, through these verses? Yeah, so I think the, the, there's a couple of different ways. One, I think we have to say, one of the things that's helpful here is that we have to make this distinction that there is not a um, there is not a bifurcation in the Bible between um, spiritual and secular. That mm-hmm. that's what Proverbs is breaking that down right, and a, a lot of in a lot of ways, and of mm-hmm. saying that every area of your life, including how you use money, including how you work, um, is before the Lord, and so it has spiritual significance. Right. And so that so that's one of the things I I set it up with an illustration that I 
that I use sometimes to say um, there's a song, Kenny Chesney sings it with somebody else. Um, and it's about this young man and this young lady that, that fall in love and are moving towards marriage. And they talk about the, the parents of the girl, what their concerns are about this young man that is going to end up marrying their daughter. And the, the, so the verse, the, the chorus says, um, her mama wants to know if he's washed in the blood or just in the water. And her daddy wants to know if he makes enough to take his daughter down the road, name the songs down the road. And, um, and so I just use that to talk about, we think a lot of people in, in church life think that the mom's concern is spiritual. She wants to know, did you just get, you know, wet with some water or are you born again? And the daddy wants to know, do you, do you, are you going to be able to provide for my daughter? And so we think of the dads as a secular concern. We think of the moms as a spiritual concern. But in the biblical framework, uh, dad's just as concerned about spiritual things as mom is, because the Bible says that a person who doesn't provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Um, and so, so I so I use that uh, to talk about how um, you know one of the things that Christ did when he came into the world is he he uses these phrases in the Book of John. I have completed the work that my father has given me to do. And so that he's, he's providing salvation. He's providing, you know, everything that we need uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, and so Jesus demonstrated being able to, to work, complete a task and to provide for those that he, that he loves. And we image Jesus when we do that. And if we don't do that, then we're imaging unbelievers uh, is what, is what the Bible says. So that's, yeah. So that's one way I get at Christ. The other way is, and I I got this from another a professor that I uh, studied under, this idea of the ant um, and how the Bible says in the beginning that, that mankind was created to rule over the creeping things that creep on the earth. And because of human sin and human foolishness, we're now being instructed to look to something that we were supposed to rule over and be instructed by it about how yeah, we are good. to um how how we are to live life and so this shows the 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 way that the fall has turned the created order on its head um but in the end those things are going to be those things are going to be set right uh by Jesus and he is going to he is reestablishing his rule and it, and, it, and he's he's doing it through work through the work that he's um been called to complete. So those are two ways that I kind of, I, I, I tried to get to Jesus from these passages. I think that's really good. I think another way might be uh, Jesus' story in Luke 12 about the man who, who in one sense seems to be learning from the ant, right? He builds barns, he, he puts mm-hmm. uh, food away, but then he tears down barns and he builds bigger barns. So it, it's, a, it's almost a pharisaical way of reading these truths, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're still trusting in your own effort. You're trusting in your, like your good works. Like I'm, I'm storing up for myself, but it's, he's not encouraging here a life devoid of faith in God and a life not trusting God for the future, right? And this is Jesus warns about, if you will, a pharisaical reading of the ants warning, like the ants are dependent upon God for everything. And so their storing up is done, 
if you will, in faith versus in sort of self-reliance. Yeah. And I think, I think that's why this um, podcast series is so important is because if we're not careful, the way that we interpret the wisdom literature is in a pharisaical way and it's do these things and, and, and your, your life's going to be blessed and and God's going to love you and all those kind of things. And, and there are proverbs, and, and and obviously Ecclesiastes does some of this, but there are proverbs that are called better than proverbs that come in and say, "Look, on the whole, generally speaking, you work hard, you're going to make more money, you're be able to provide for your family. That's a good thing. But you can work so hard that money and material things becomes a uh, an idol, and it can destroy your family." And there are there, you know, the whole, you know, better, better home where there's basically like vegetables and bread uh, and there's, and there's joy than a contentious home where there's, uh, you know, wine and meat. And, um, and so I I think that's, I think that's an important distinction that we've got to say that the the gospel does inform how we are to interpret this so that we don't become arrogant, self-righteous Pharisees. Yeah, and it, the nice thing about a passage like this too is the application is is probably not. You better need a lot of suggestions on that. The nice part about this type of thing is the application is is really right there in front of you mm-hmm. um, to apply to the church. So I want to move to that next section then and ask that same question about connection to Christ because this is another one that, again, on its surface doesn't seem as obvious how you would go to Christ here. So. How did you do that when you preached that next section of chapter six? Yeah, I just, I did this the way, the same way I would preach law. And so it was, hey, here's the standard that God expects of us. Here's the ways that we fall short. Uh, and so here are the ways that we have haughty eyes. Here are the, here, here are the ways that we are deceptive with our words. Um, here's the way that we're violent. Uh, and, and then I, you know, I would, I would nuance that some with we're able to um, not feel the weight of the conviction of the hands that shed innocent blood because, well, I've never killed anybody. But again, pointing out like when you're little, you know, with my, with my brothers and we, you know, all of us have a bunch of brothers and um, if they were doing something that we didn't like, or they had something that we wanted to have and play with and they weren't sharing then yeah. we would take it by force, right? Or we would try <laughs> to take it by force. Right. Um, and then as you get older, you learn to suppress that kind of thing, but it doesn't mean that inside your heart and your mind, you're not stewing and, and angry. And, and uh, so I'm just, so I'm just trying to show, Hey, we're these things that God hates. We've all given into these things. Like we've, you know, we've been those who have borne false witness, sown discord among brothers. Um, and so then I want to, then I want to come back and say, Jesus is the, is the goal of the law uh, for righteousness to everybody who believes. And so Jesus, he never did any of these things, right? He was, he wasn't haughty. He was humble. He wasn't lying. He's the truth. Uh, he, he doesn't take life. He gives life. And, and, and so, but, but even so he died being accused of being a worthless and wicked man, um, and it was executed for our sin because we've fallen short of this and was raised from the dead so that we can be forgiven and, and gives us his spirit so that we can walk in this 
uh, now in the transformation that we have in Jesus. And so that's how I, I just, I preach it the same way I would preach uh, a law text. Right. And it reminds me of Isaiah 53, where Jesus, right, it says, was assigned a grave with the wicked. Right. Jesus, who was not this wicked, worthless man, ended up being assigned a grave so that wicked, worthless men could be forgiven. Same text where it says no deceit was found in his mouth. Yeah. There's definitely Isaiah 53 uh, imagery that's shared with this passage. Mm -hmm. That's great, John. Thanks for helping us think through these particular passages, because I think these are the type of passages that are really challenging to think through. How do I approach these in a way that leads the listener to Christ, to faith in him, and away from self-reliance? Anything else you'd add on those first couple sections of chapter six? We're going to save the next part for next week and, and approach it with chapter seven. But anything else on these first two sections? Yeah, I think when it comes to the laziness, the 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 ant and the and the slumber, one of the things that you have to do as a preacher uh, or a teacher of God's word is to try to combat the idea that so people, so many people have that if I'm not a couch potato who's laying in the lazy boy for seven hours a day eating potato chips, then I'm not lazy. Right, um, yeah. Or you know, if I'm not forty five year old person living at home with their parents, then you know I'm not lazy or whatever. And uh, you have to be able to say, no, what the the Proverbs say, and you can bring in other texts throughout Mm -hmm. Proverbs, is that laziness can look like a lot of activity, but you not finishing assignments on the date that they're due, you procrastinating, you being um, distracted by checking Instagram out all day and not being able to focus on the tasks in front of you. So you've you've got to be able to show Hey, here's what yeah. Proverbs means when it says laziness. It doesn't just mean you're laying around all day. It means you need extensions. You're you're not you, you know show up late, uh, leave early, uh, distracted. You're not really giving your time to your employer, um, you, or an assignment in school or whatever it may be. Um, and to say, hey, these are the kinds of things that it looks like to be lazy, and that we as those in Christ, that should not be our our testimony. Yeah, because there's a subtle laziness that Proverbs does such a great job exposing. I, I think of a couple um, later Proverbs. One is that the lazy man basically doesn't take the time to clear the path. He just sort of rushes through the underbrush, which on its surface might look diligent, right? Like, I'm just mm-hmm. getting there. But it says the the diligent person actually takes the time to clear the underbrush so that he can go back and forth easily. And so it's a type of laziness that says, I won't do the hard work necessary to make this better in the long run. Right. That's a subtle laziness and a laziness that may actually be commended at times as being diligent. But Proverbs does such a great job of showing how, how layered and how textured, if you will, our sin is. It's not always just so blunt. Yep. It's a good word. Well, good. Well, this is great. Uh, thanks for joining us today on the Christ and Clear podcast. We'll pick up right there next week. Uh, Make sure to join us then. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com. And please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.